Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Whiskey Tango Life Podcast. I'm glad that you could join me. Uh, once again, we have Lucy Brenton in, in, sitting in for the interview tonight. We've had her on multiple times before. You may know her as my interviews that uh, never fail to get censored by YouTube. So with that being said, you can find this interview on rumble.com uh, under the Whiskey Tango Life channel there. You can always listen to it on anchor.fm which distributes to apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and a lot of other uh, audio podcast platforms as well the really cool thing about that i'm just going to go through this real quickly sometimes i leave poll questions up there sometimes i ask uh, questions that you can answer right on anchor.fm about the episode. And the other really interesting thing, especially in the case of Lucy, who happens to be one of the most popular interviewees that I have on here, is you can leave voice messages now on the podcast episodes, which I may throw in at the end of the podcast if, if it pertains to it. But it's, if, if there are questions or anything that I can hit Lucy with the next time we sit down with her, that would be an awesome opportunity for us to rehash those questions, maybe from the previous episode, and uh, sit down with Lucy again and kind of hit into those. As we get started here, uh, Lucy, thank you again for joining us. I appreciate you, as always, joining in on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. I love being here. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So real quick, we we have over the course of our interviews, ended each one with predictions. And the first time we sat down, the prediction was prior to the release of the vaccine, that there would be a vaccine mandate that would come that would that would end up forcing people to get it. And at the time, that was a controversial chain of thought. They did believe that the vaccine was going to come out and that there would be some pressure to get it, but certainly not the kind of pressure that we faced. But that was one of our predictions, and it came true. The next time we sat down, uh, you went off the grid with the, the prediction had nothing to do with the virus. And you said, hey, I believe within the next three months, we're going to see major supply chain issues. Lo and behold, over the last six months, we've been dealing with supply chain issues, about 600 ships sitting off of the coast of California. I know in the construction industry, I'm dealing with supply chain issues. What was it besides the channels that you listened to and everything? What were kind of the 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 key factors that were sticking out to you that we were going to be running into supply chain issues at that point in time. Yeah, thanks for asking, Chris. I wish that I could say that I had some crystal ball or prognostication, but it really is just owing to the fact that the cabal always tells you exactly what they're going to do. And they have for years. So once you start reading Agenda 2030 and you read the CFR and the Trilateral Commission papers and you understand Klaus Schwab and you know the World Economic Forum, you go back to really basics. I think it was Henry Kissinger who said, basically, if you control the food, you control the people. And so we've seen concentration of people into cities, making cities almost like CAFO, the controlled, uh, the concentrated animal, you know, feeding orgs. Um, and so I see no difference with exactly what they're doing. Now, we're at the very front end, front end of these supply chain issues. People are starting to take pictures of, you know, empty shelves in their grocery stores, and they're starting to kind of chat online. But there's two things that are happening there. One is the uh, the institution of scarcity as something that becomes normal. So now it's starting to be normal to see shelves uh, empty. And this is a conditioning process mm -hmm. for us um, until you have the ultimate problem, which is there won't be food in the grocery stores anymore. There will only be food at government distribution centers for which you're going to have to show the mark, right? This is a spiritual battle. And we were told many thousands of years ago exactly how this was going to play out. So now we're just watching it in real time. 
How much of this do you believe? Uh, let me ask you this. You, you brought up the World Economic Forum. A lot of that has been the center of the talk right now for the Great Reset. Is is yeah. that what you believe this is all kind of leading towards is, is the really... I've been watching a lot of Yellowstone <laughs> lately <laughs> and uh, driving the cattle into the gates and in, into a certain direction and make sure and making sure that the herd goes in the in the correct direction. I mean, it kind of seems like the powers that be are guiding us down the road through taking away the freedom of choices for certain things, whether it be you have to get the vaccine, you have to do this in order to participate in the economy or society in general. And put you down this lane where you actually have to do those things is all kind of leading towards what, ha I mean, I listen to Glenn Beck. He talks about the great reset all yeah. the time. He just released a book on the great reset and the world economic forum seems to be at the center of that. There was recently an interview. I don't know if it was at the world economic forum or one of these big gatherings, but where a woman said that the elites, uh, what was the poll? The elites believe that they are, uh, gaining more control, but the view of this of societies around the world is that the elites are uh, less trust. Or the, I'm sorry, the trust among elites is at an all time high within each other, but the trust from normal people of the elites is at an all time low. Is it? Do you are you familiar with that interview that I'm talking about? No, I I haven't seen that, but that's a really okay. interesting dichotomy. That makes me think that you've got people in the cabal high fiving each other, going, "Look, we're doing a great job," but then everybody else going. We see right through your bolt crap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, I, I've always been a very optimistic person. I always saw the light in certain areas where we may be in the crapper right now, but there is a way out. There is, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. If we just push each other back on the right tracks with things and get back on track, I don't see a light. In, in current society, I, I almost look at, you know, we're going to talk about a couple interviews I've listened to lately. I just really uh, listened to part of uh, Joe Rogan's latest podcast today of Dr. Joe Epstein, I believe it was, in regards to Google's control on the Internet oh, as a whole yeah. and how the tech companies have control of everything. That Google can literally shut down the Internet themselves in multiple countries and did so for a couple days in Japan uh, years ago. And the dissemination of information is completely controlled by them. Even multiple search engines that you think like DuckDuckGo. Uh, would be safer to use actually operate off of the Google search engine. So you really have to download a, a browser like the Brave browser. But all these things tie into the dissemination of information that is is really controlling and manipulating our ways of behavior, especially with each other in regards to voting and how that information gets out there. Um, I think one of the, the interesting examples that they gave was that if you go on the Bing or Yahoo search engine and search for Hillary is, the predictive text comes up with a bitch, a liar, the devil, and stuff like that. But if you do it on Google, it's uh, <laughs> it just comes up with eight positive statements that are listed right off the bat. And they, they refuse to allow a pioneering any feminist, a champion for, Oh liberty. yeah, absolutely. I can, I can imagine what Google <laughs> would say, you know, it's interesting because everything that you just said, what I, what I heard in my head as I'm filtering this is how did, how did the fall of the United States happen or how does somebody go bankrupt slowly at first? 
and then all at once. What I mean by that is I read my first book on all this stuff back in about 1985 when I was just a teenager and it was called The Unseen Hand by A. Rolf Epperson. And then I started to really read some other things, you know, like Georg Griffin and Lightning Over the Treasury Building and Eustace Mullins and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was lucky I had access to that stuff as a teen. So for me, I've seen this unfold over decades. But what it did is it made me complacent. So you would think that I was like completely ready for everything that was happened with three years worth of food storage. I mean, I grew up Mormon and my mom was like the local food storage chairperson. So it was her job to arrange big buys that then got divided up amongst the families. Um, But it's kind of caught me unaware as well because it's taken so long to get to this point. But the cabal has been very patient very patient. They've been building the spider web. They've been, you know, putting all the infrastructure in place so that once it happens, you drive the cattle towards the gate with fear. So whether you've got, you know, barking Australian shepherds that are driving those cattle in, um, or whether you have, you know, the fear of death from COVID, uh, which is wearing off, thankfully. Now they've got to come up with something even, even crazier. That's how they've done it. They've gotten us all complacent, even those among us. There are very few people that have been vigilant enough through the years. Um, but even that, that vigilance is actually the price of fear. Because if you're going to be vigilant and, and complete all of these preps and to really prepare for what's going on, you have to constantly uh, bring that fear up of, okay, you know that they're about to do this. You don't know exactly when it's going to happen. So even then you're kept in a fear state. So the real question becomes, how do you fight back and protect your family? I mean, is is there anything that you've thought of for your own family that you're going to take positive, proactive steps to not be as affected when all this crap hits the fan? Are you asking me that personally? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's give some ideas to the viewers. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you some of mine, but I asked you first. I think it's always good to have a network of people that you can rely on that have a similar mindset that, uh, almost like uh, almost like the Underground Railroad system that was set up um, back in the day for slaves and everything. I think that you need to know who you can run to if you need to stay afoot and, and keep going. Uh, I agree with you. We, we have a food supply as well, probably not as well as yours, but it's always good to start something and start somewhere. Um, water is always a big issue. I mean, we have a <clears throat> we have a well pump but we also bought just in case the grid would go down in any kind of capacity a type of bucket system that would go down that specific well system to bring it up manually if you have to so you have to start looking into that stuff there you know little things like uh the the type of pump that you can get with a siphon filter or whatever that if you had to hit the road and and siphon gas off of other vehicles when no one's around that you don't have to do it by sucking gas out of another car and hoping it gets into the bucket in time, you know? Um, I am signed up to do, this is an interesting one, uh, the ham radio classes to to have a license to be able to do that. But the interesting thing about that and the argument, yeah, the argument against it though is if, if shit hits the fan, basically, right? That who cares if you have a license or not? You should just be, you should just have knowledge on how to use it. Because if if the time comes, who's going to come after you? You're already you're already using it for a reason, right? So there's that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. We we keep on having the discussion. This this pandemic has really thrown those types of plans for a loop. Because our dream of retirement was always 
somewhere like Texas or Tennessee or somewhere down south, somewhere where, you know, if, if there is going to be some sort of secession that states would pile on and kind of build out from, Texas would be the obvious one. They have their own power grid and everything, even though it failed during the winter a couple of years ago. Uh, you learn from your mistakes. I'm sure that they are preparing for something like that again. But the problem that I'm seeing with it is with this pandemic, the the people that lived in their political bubbles in California, New York, New Jersey, New England, uh, and some of these other states where they were literally living on top of each other and thought to themselves, holy crap, this is this is how outbreaks happen. We're living on top of each other. We don't have anywhere to go. We should really get out into the country. They they did the worst thing possible. They started coming into our states, you know, and now Texas has a lot of people. Florida has a lot of people. And it's like you look at you look at the the uh, emigration from the other states and everything, and you see where all these people are going. And now they're starting to ruin the states that I saw as a backup plan to get out of Pennsylvania. You know, it's actually pretty scary. Um, I just honestly don't know what states would be the best to go to anymore for liberty minded people. Do you have any any insight on that? Well, I'm always in favor of states where you don't freeze to death. Um, you know, that's really good. Um, so I'm not going to Minnesota or North Minnesota or North Dakota. Yeah. And I'm in Southern Indiana. So Southern Indiana is, um, seventh or eighth right now on the Mercado, um, freedom index. And I can tell you, there's lots Mm. of good things and lots of bad things about Indiana. Um, if somebody put a gun to my head and told me that I had to move right this second and that I had to pick a state, gave me two seconds to choose, I would choose Texas. I've been there. I know the culture there. Um, I I know that outside of, you know, Austin and which is really the only blue part of Texas, because that's where all the California refugees. Houston a little bit, too. Yeah, a little bit. Um, But, you know, on on average, I think I think you're right. I think your your chances are much better there, Um, especially if you get to the parts of the state where there's still adequate water. Austin is a train wreck. They've got too many people in a limited water supply and it's becoming a real issue there. Um, So, you know, when I'm looking at what are the things that I need to do to make sure that my my family is safe. The first thing is community. Absolutely. So moving out into a mm-hmm. community where um, where you can trust other people. Southern Indiana is MAGA territory, and I'm not a fan of Trump, but most of the values that those people have um, very much align with my conservative libertarian values. So there's very little that we disagree on. Um, when you look at you know preps and things like that you're absolutely right you should be thinking about water most people don't think about the fact that you know they think water's under pressure so it you know you just lift open the tap and it comes in it doesn't need electricity but they forget about the big pumps that get it from where it is to create the pressure you know to put water into your home um you know simple things like sprouting you know getting yourself pounds and pounds of, of sprouts and having a, a clean water source to sprout them you'll never starve if you have sprouts and of course, we still have the the right is still recognized in this country to bear arms. And this is the reason this is the this is the reason that I have hope, um, because I can tell you that um, maybe in some Indiana cities, but definitely out in the the rural area where I live, people aren't playing around with the government out here. We're just not. Yeah, I'm not. My neighbors aren't. We're all heavily armed. I mean, most of the people that I know out here have three or four guns per person. And a lot of them have a lot more than that. They make they make the few guns that I have seem so inconsequential. I mean, they literally have armories. And so if and, and, you know, so many of them also were 
patriot type people that thought that by serving the government and the military that that was a good thing. And so most of them were actually trained um, to use it. And uh, I've got one friend who actually his whole specialty was raising insurgent armies for the military in foreign countries. So I, I know that we have uh, the brain power to fight back. And when people say, oh, what are you going to do about, you know, you're going to fight the biggest war power? Well, yeah, we did it a couple hundred years ago and we'll do it again. Um, we couldn't beat, you know, goat herders in Afghanistan because of, of the terrain. They know the terrain better. So I'm very hopeful that we'll be able to maintain a modicum of freedom in this country. The thing that really, um, that I think is the real threat is actually communism instilled by the Chinese party, by the Chinese communist Mm -hmm. party. I think that that is a real threat. We already have Chinese communist troops up in Canada. Those are, you know, literally a one hour drive from, from the American border of Washington state. So, and they're doing this in Latin America too. I don't know if you've heard of the, I think it's called the belt and buckle that the Chinese initiative belts and roads basically. So China is going in and they're doing exactly, if you've read the book, um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. If you've not read Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins, get it. Uh, But basically, he details how U.S. firms would go into, say, Uruguay and say, "Okay, we're going to build this hydroelectric dam and it's going to make it's going to make everybody profitable and increase your wealth. Uh, But the golden handcuffs were that the money gets lent by the IMF. And of course, enough money comes and downs and lands into the country and all the bribes are paid. But then Here's the real the real kicker. All of that construction had to be done by American companies, by American defense contractors. So although the money came into the country, it went right back into the hands of American defense contractors. Well, the Chinese have clearly figured out what a brilliant plan this is, and they're now going in throughout Latin American countries, and they're loaning the money to build infrastructure. And then they're giving scholarships to these bright young people that are working on the infrastructure and the young engineers and bringing them to China and creating relationships and teaching them the language I mean, we should be Latin America's allies, shouldn't we? Since we have these borders, Absolutely. you know, that you could like walk up here. But no, they're actually making those alliances because the Chinese, um, they, they see the value in that. Now, why is that happening? That's happening because the cabal is way up here and they have the Chinese government and the U.S. government, and the Latin governments, and they're pitting us against each other. I mean, it's just a tool like on the risk game board. Um, I'm going to use the Chinese government to create some pressure over here, and then we're going to create these alliances here. And this is how this is how you move geopolitics. That's a big reason why right now the biggest two topics are out there. <clears throat> and I think that they're going to become bigger topics after the Olympics are the Ukraine and Taiwan at this point right. Right? with the, the right. Russians and the Chinese. Yeah. And, and what are we so doing? We're, in, we're driving Russia into China's arms. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always deal with this confliction in my my own mind that you're most likely going to agree with, because I know that you and I both like um, Peter. Uh, what's his name? The libertarian that ran for president that uh, the young Gary guy. Johnson. Oh, no. Spike no, Cohen? The young no. Before that. The, uh, from Missouri. It, AP for Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Austin Austin Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. 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 So he, he put up a meme about how, um, all these people are concerned about Ukraine and I'm like, who cares? Let them go. It's their business, you know? And, and that's what I get. That's what I have an internal struggle with because I understand the old way of thinking of if you allow it to persist in another country, 
eventually it will become our problem. But at the same time, we're not the world's police officers and we have to get off this track of believing that we are. Where's the balance with that though? Because if, if, if we sit back, I think it, what it, what it really lends to is a great example. What happened in world war II with the, the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor, right? We, while we did have our fingers in, you know, doing some things behind the scenes, which probably provoked that in the end, I think the global the global government and marketplace system is so intertwined now. You can't get away with saying that we don't have anything to do with with something out there, right? We're always involved in and have our fingers involved in in some sort of government or, or economic or socioeconomic system. But we sat back. And then we got involved after Pearl Harbor when they they made us get involved. You're giving me a look like, well, that was kind of planned out, Chris. We, we knew that crap was coming. But at the same time, yeah. if we allow these things to persist and grow and they take over and gain more traction in, in the idea of conquering or whatever it is, the old terms, and growing their armies, eventually, if we didn't get involved and we're next and we're, or we're the last stop on the train uh, rail, we don't have a chance at that point. You know, we're just going to be swallowed up like everybody else. That was. sounds very Republican of you. I think you're apologizing. For I know, starting I know. And continuing I, try, wars. And I talk to you because I want to get off of these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's kind of unpack that. But I think I think the first thing we should be thinking about is who in this country is the foremost um, resource and expert that we have on Ukraine. And I think it's clearly Hunter Biden. I mean, he's clearly involved with no, him. Yeah. So I'm I'm waiting for good and old China. Joe. Yeah, I'm waiting for good old Joe to to tap his son Hunter and say, "Hey, how do we uh, how do we handle the Ukrainian problem? Since you're clearly an expert in that area, so let's kind of unpack that. What is the Ukraine about? The Ukraine yeah. is about Russia um, breaching mm-hmm. the sovereign borders of the Ukraine. What do we have but hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people every day breaching the sovereign border of the United States? Why yep. why is it important to to make sure that the sovereign borders of the Ukraine are not breached when we don't first make sure that the sovereign borders of our own country are not breached? And you have Kamala Harris saying, you know, nobody is illegal, which I mean, as a libertarian, I totally agree with that. I believe in the free immigration, immigration, movement of people right. across borders. But that's not why she's doing it. You know, hers is not about the. Um, you know, the sovereign right of an individual to live wherever they want to live on this earth. Hers is about creating voting blocks and distress. Um, so then you go back to, you know, this whole idea of war and being the, the the world's policeman. I'd like you to imagine a different world where we had zero bases overseas, where zero of, of a local economy was tied to 20 or 30,000 servicemen and women and their impact upon the local economy because they're paid in our tax dollars and then they spread that into the local economy. Mm-hmm. What if instead we simply stuck to the U.S. and its territories and every feet, every 50 feet we had a sniper along our border? You know, what if we had our own aircraft carriers protecting the maritime borders of the United States? It would probably, I think that it would probably be true that there are very few people that would want to try and breach that. And then we would be maintaining exactly what the Constitution tells us to do. And, of course, founding fathers who said, friends to all, allies to none. What great advice. I mean, if we hadn't, if we hadn't done all the, the geopolitical moves that we had been doing, but then why do we do them? We do them because corporations need lithium. Why were we in Afghanistan for so many years? Because corporations need lithium. Because, you know, you love your Tesla batteries. You love your phone batteries. You want, uh, you want your morphine. You know, how else would Purdue Pharma have killed tens of thousands of Americans and gotten off scot-free 
and made billions of dollars had it not been for our own servicemen protecting opium fields in foreign countries. So, you know, the, the, there are so many layers to this, and it all goes back to if we were sticking to the original contract, our country would probably look a lot different than it does now. Yeah. So two events happened last year, and these all kind of rotate around the same idea of the bigger picture. I mean, I was I was going to go through the list of kind of the stuff that we talked about already tonight about how it all feeds into that great reset idea, because yeah. I don't think people understand. They, they, they think that the great reset is an, is an idea of a certain agenda coming at you and and kind of getting you from one angle but it's really so many it's an octopus of arms right more than yes. that, to be honest with you it's just yes. coming from every a- angle i mean right now it seems like cryptocurrency is the next big thing on the hit list as far as the federal reserve trying to go after that and and uh clamp down on that with regulations and oversight committees on the major trading platforms for for the cryptocurrencies and then for them to once they gain that control release their own type of cryptocurrency that people have to buy into and have something in regards to that so you know people really need to be careful of of the economic system the socioeconomic system we talked about Google and its influence on everything that we do. We're we're changing the language of how we approach each other. We don't even know how to address each other anymore um, because you don't want to offend each other. And it's all just crazy. But there were two events that happened last year. And one of them ties into something that you said about the people of Indiana and bearing arms and that they're ready to fight the government if they have to. The insurrection, right? The the day democracy almost died, basically. <laughs> you mean, you know, you mean the, the, the middle school tour through the, the, the uh, yeah, right. building? Grandma like going through and them sticking to the roped lines to go through and everything. <laughs> I know. So, I know. <laughs> but... But the interesting thing about that, and this is what I always keep on bringing up, I know it's going to get me in trouble one day for saying this, but two things about that. Number one, what they did was wrong in the sense that I don't believe it was the right time. Is there going to be a time when we go in there as a powerhouse and do that and have that kind of presence? There may be. The the Second Amendment was specifically set up for tyrannical governments and, and making sure that they're held accountable with firearms. That's just the way it is. You know, I don't believe that the time that they went in there and and showed their presence in that kind of way was appropriate. But at the same time, they weren't with firearms. And that leads me to point number two. We have always been told by the left or people that are anti Second Amendment that what are you going to do with a pistol or an AK? or uh, an AR-15, right? How are you going to fight the government? We went in with flagpoles and took over Congress and scared the crap out of Congress with with bare minimum minimum presence at that, you know? And yeah, Yeah. I think that they did pull back security. I think that they knew what was coming and we we certainly have political prisoners sitting in jail today. Yeah, they are political prisoners. And I think that that was all planned by the FBI with agent provocateurs. Um, it's, it's so, I mean, it's so obvious because, you know, the typical MAGA person, you know, they were, they're not, they're not going to take over the government. They're just not. No. They, they, they still believe in the system. That's why they thought they could affect the yeah. system. And they didn't intend to overturn the election, in my opinion. I think they were just trying to show us so have a show of force to say, hey, there are thousands of people here that believe this is bull. 
And we don't believe that you're legitimate. And we'd like to figure out a legal way um, to reverse the illegitimate, what they saw as an illegitimate election, which I quite frankly do too. But I'm of the opinion that every election is illegitimate. All oh, right. <laughs> so the other event that happened last year that we haven't talked about, I don't, I don't even remember if we talked about the uh, January 6th thing last time we met up. But uh, since so. we've talked, we certainly had the Afghanistan debacle and what happened right. there with the withdrawal. So I, I'm interested in the very libertarian view of what happened with that. I would imagine that your initial thought is we shouldn't have been there in the first place anyway. Of course, but, but since we were. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what are your that, thoughts on? Um, I think the Afghanistan withdrawal was done with a complete disregard for the absolute danger that that our friendlies, uh, you know, face. And I have a friend, he's currently working as a nonprofit right now that is a, a veteran. And his whole thing is getting people out. So, you know, I've, actually, I should, I'll tell you about him later. So you can have him on the show and, and he can make an appeal for help for that. Because he's doing a really is great James? job. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. James. Well, James is the one that introduced us to each other. I actually did interview him. Oh, that's him, right. That is uh, right. Okay. a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if I could if I could say his name on here, but yeah. If you yeah, haven't interviewed yeah. him about this, they are doing a fantastic job of getting people out. Um, but when you're a libertarian, you look at things and you go, okay, there's clearly a right way to do things. There's maybe even more than one right way to do things, but there's certainly a way to do things smarter than other things. So why in the world did we not? months in advance, have a covert operation where we go gently tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, you're next. You know, get your commercial flight out here, put on social media that, you know, you're going to go visit um, Taiwan for the trip of a lifetime and you'll be back in two weeks or whatever. We could have done this in such a smart way and gotten all the friendlies out. What's been horrific to me um, are the people that are on the ground that are Afghan, that are Afghani, that have been abandoned whose lives are in danger, who've now been tortured, who are being moved by James and other organizations from one safe house to another, hundreds at a time. Um, very inspirational stories to, to figure out how they accomplished yes. that. You may know some of those. I won't say how they did it. But the idea mm -hmm. is we could have done this with little loss of life without people hanging on to airplanes and dropping down and you know plunging to their death. And why did that all happen? Because we're just cattle to the elite. We are literally just human resource material. They don't think any more of that than I would think of calling one of my backyard chickens. We, we just, we're just literally cockroaches to them, which is why they spray us from the skies with the geoengineering. The, uh, the interesting thing about what's going on over there is that we... Um, they originally, the, the Biden administration originally came out and said that we got all the Americans out that wanted to come out of there. Right. And that right. the amount of people that were left was somewhere around a couple hundred, right? Yeah. But within months, the true number came out from that. And it was about 15,000 people that were still stranded there that wanted to get out. Yeah. And James's organization and other organizations like American Duty uh, have been working very vigilantly to get people out of there with people working around the clock, literally. Literally, to, literally yeah. Uh, yep, taking shifts, sleeping, trying to get the, the appropriate papers. Not only that, the, the horrendous thing that our government did at that point in time is that there was uh, a basic way of getting the people out of there 
and they had to have the basic papers of the passport and whatever it was, their background information. They had to get to the, uh, the airport, the Kabul airport, to get out. But by the time they got there, they found out that our government had changed that and required additional papers that weren't available at the Kabul airport that they had to go back for. At which point, there were people outside the gates screaming and being slaughtered by these the uh, the, the terrorists Literally. outside the, the the gates there, and and just uh, piling up in the trenches, uh, the trench, the like sewage trench that was going around the airport. You know, and they were supposed to go back out and like, get these papers and come back in. No, that was that was a way that you led a whole bunch of lambs to the slaughter. You brought them to the killing yeah, exactly. fields. Yep. Yep. And there, that's not the first time we've heard of killing fields in in, Amer- in world history, at least and everything, especially yep. with what happened in Cambodia. Um, that's coming. So, that's coming again. That is absolutely coming. again, I, And it's incumbent <laughs> upon us to stand up and stop it. And we're really the only society that has the ability to stop that. Um, now, I'm really encouraged right now with what's going on in Canada. Are you familiar with, with what the truckers are doing? So all the truckers are protesting yeah. the vaccine mandate um, because you can't cross the borders as a trucker um, without a vaccine. Canada won't let you in. And so they, all the truckers are going to Ottawa and they're basically saying, we're going to stay here. Like they're on their way right now. They're convoys um, and they're staying there and refusing to deliver anything into the cities, and refusing to, to do any runs until that vaccine mandate is lifted. And so it's basically a giant game of chicken to see who's going to blink first. So, you know, we have um, saw an interesting short video from a female police officer who said, I'm in Ottawa. I support the truck drivers. I'm going up to the protests now and I'm hoping to be, you know, a peaceful liaison to help, you know, keep the peace and make sure everything happens. But truckers, I support you. Thank you for standing up for the rights of everyone. Um, what's super interesting to me, you're familiar with the Milgram experiment? You, I, you, I know you've heard about this no. and haven't watched it yet, but there was a video, there was a movie about uh, five or six years ago with Winona Ryder in it called The Experimenter. Basically, the Milgram experiment is the really famous one where you had a subject, which is you or I, unsuspecting, who comes in and they want to see whether or not we'll obey authority. Well, we've got somebody that we can hear but not see. And every time we ask them a question, if they say that the, if they give the wrong answer, you're supposed to turn up the electricity on them. Um, there's a guy in a white coat there who's also um, in on it. You know, he's one of the researchers. And that person is saying, yes, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You know, they did the wrong answer. You got to give them the shock. And 65% of the people, um, horrifyingly, were willing to turn it all the way up to the point where, you know, they hear the person screaming. They don't know that that person is, is an actor, but they hear the person screaming in pain. And yet, because there was a person with that mantle of authority of just a, a, a researcher's coat, um, they were willing to continue to electrocute a fellow human being. Now, there were people that was stood up. Obviously, 65% did it. So when when people stood up, the compliance rate went down to 10%. So even when one person said, I'm not doing this crap, then everybody else said, oh, oh, I'm not doing this crap either. So it's it's important to know, and the cabal knows this as well, which is why they have to lock down social media and make sure that we don't have the ability to communicate, why they say there were hundreds of people in Washington, D.C. over the weekend against the vaccine mandates when in fact there were thousands, maybe tens of thousands that showed up. Yeah. Um, they've got to keep us from knowing that there are people who are willing to stand up against this. And so it's it's incumbent upon us to be vocal because we know. So my question well, for you part is of that what's whole going great, on in your area? Yeah. 
Well, part of that whole great reset plan has been the shutdown of, of yeah. again, dissemination of information from other countries. What we're not seeing, unless you're nowhere to look online, is the massive in the street protests that are happening in, in Italy, in Israel, yes. in Austria, the UK. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. All over the place against these vaccine mandates and everything. They will not show that on American television because exactly what you said, that that based on that experiment, as soon as you start showing people standing up for something, there's going to be more and more people that start following it. Now, the interesting thing about what you said in regards to, again, going back to our Second Amendment and, and the one thing that's going to be saving us is we would certainly, especially right now, especially since I let me I put up this uh, post two days ago, I said in Germany, they're saying the pandemic is over. We're lifting the restrictions in England. The pandemic is over. We're lifting restrictions in Ireland. The pandemic is over. We're lifting restrictions. <clears throat> I said in, in America here, the Biden administration is saying we need stricter mandates and harsher punishments in the face of this pandemic. And the dolphin stole my ice cream. <laughs> so, you know, it's like. Every everywhere else around the world, they're starting to they're starting to see the pushback and that they're not getting any further with these mandates. Now's the time to acknowledge, hey, let's try something else. You know, obviously, that's why I think we're starting to see an uptick in the Ukraine and, and Taiwan talk and everything is because this is this is just over. But the Biden administration is doubling down on things. My point is with the Second Amendment. We would absolutely, because how much we're still pushing this, be in the same position that Australia is in right now with setting up oh, internal without our guns. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And to to kind of go along with that point, I don't know if you saw this recent Rasmussen poll. They pulled the left uh, uh, on a bunch of different topics in regards to the uh, unvaccinated. Have you heard anything about this yet? I have not. Let me see how much you're surprised. I'm not too surprised anymore by okay. by that much. But <laughs> I don't know they if said I 55. <laughs> they said 55 percent of Democrats support fines against the unvaccinated. Sure. 59 percent support house arrest for the unvaccinated. 48 percent support prison for questioning the vaccine efficacy on social media. Just on social media. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's damn near 50 percent right there. 45% support internment camps like they do in Australia for the unvaccinated. 47% support surveillance of unvaccinated citizens. And this one's the, the one that really got me and kind of had me cursing a little bit on social media. 29%. So almost, almost a third of individuals that were polled said that they support the states taking the children away from unvaccinated people. Yeah. I'm I'm not shocked by any of those, but I'll tell you what gives me hope. I don't know if you watch Mark Dice. He's freaking hilarious. No. Okay. You got to go, got to go look at some Mark Dice videos. He, he trolls people. He's down in Southern California. So here he is like literally on the beach and, you know, the sidewalk surrounding the beach. Um, and he'll go up and he'll have his like little clipboard and he's got his thing that says news. So it looks all official. It looks like he's really, really there. And he'll say, we've got a petition we want you to sign because can you believe that our veterans are coming back from foreign wars and they've served their country and they're not allowed to live anywhere they want to live. And so we want to let our veterans live wherever they want to live. Well, what he's doing is he's getting them to sign something that says that you're going to repeal the Third Amendment, which is no quartering of soldiers. These people are so freaking stupid that they don't even know that it's, you know, that they're being trolled. Um, so yeah, he did yeah. one recently. Yeah, he did one recently. Um, and the, the one, the thing was on reparations 
So the reparations thing was, you know, do you think you should get reparations? So he asks a black woman and she's like, yes. And he said, well, do you think $500 is enough? And he's so completely serious when he does this. I don't know how he doesn't break out laughing. And she says, well, I don't really think that's enough. He says, well, maybe we should start at 2000. She said, yeah, I think we should start at 2000. So then the next person comes up um, that happens to be a young white guy, uh, maybe 25 years old. You know, sir, do you think that we should have reparations for black people and people of color? And where should we start? And he says, great, sir, we're going to start with you. I want you to get out your phone. We're going to cash up the next black person that comes over here. And he starts to call a, a black gentleman over to tell him, hey, great news. This white guy says he's going to give you $50 cash app. And the white guy starts screaming and cussing him out. And, and so <laughs> that's great. So the point the point being that I think Democrats in general are really great at saying what should be done, but they're not great at taking action on making things happen because then it requires personal initiative. Um, and so the danger, of course, is that in places like California that are very heavily Democrat, you get a voting block of people that are willing to say, um, I'm going to bestow upon government the power to go out and do this on people. And this is something I posted on Facebook a few weeks ago, and I'm sure you'll totally agree with this. I cannot delegate to you a power that I don't have. So if we're in an all in the same neighborhood association, I can't say, hey, we've decided that Chris owns 50, you know, owes 50% of his pay to the greater good of the homeowners association. And so you, neighbor B, are allowed to go into Chris's house and take his wallet and take 50% of his money out and bring it back to us. I never had I never had the right to steal from you or to take your money without your consent. Yeah. And therefore, I can't give that right, even if a whole group of us get together as a homeowners association or your group calls themselves government, you can't give that right to somebody um, that you don't already possess. And this is one of my basis, you know, my big basis for taxation is theft um, because I didn't consent and neither did you. So am I worried? Yeah, I think in some places people should genuinely be worried because things like the CPS thing will definitely go through in places like California. But the agenda is not, as you know, it's not about protecting society from the unvaccinated because obviously the vaccine doesn't work. It's about keeping a steady supply of test subjects for pharmaceutical companies. Are you aware that in most states, once you become into the foster system, that you become a ward of the state, whether or not your parents' rights have actually been completely terminated, in most states, once you're part of the foster system, you can actually be used as a test subject in pharmaceutical experiments. And that the state- Well, Dr. Fauci did that, that in New York with the HIV drugs back in the 90s, yeah. right? He did. And the, a great book to read about that is not just um, you know the, the real Dr. Fauci that, that um, Kennedy just wrote, but there's a, a previous book called Official Stories exists to protect mm. officials by my late friend, Liam Sheff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he goes through like 10 different conspiracies. So the question is, am I scared? Um, not where I live, no. But, you know, we all decide what situation we're going to put your, ourselves into, which is why didn't they just say that all the U-Hauls one way out of California have run out? <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, speaking of California in regards to the vaccine, um, it was just reported that children over the age of 12 no longer need their parents' consent to get the vaccine. Right. right. And I, you that's know, I would scary. love to see some... Um, I would love to see some litigation surrounding that, you know, with regards to bodily yeah, autonomy right. and and the ability to consent and the lack of informed consent. But it's a done deal, right? Because Congress already gave com complete immunity from liability uh, to to any any vaccine manufacturer, basically. Although, um, you know, it's a really interesting distinction. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when they came out with the approved vaccine 
with the FDA in August, uh, they approved something called Cominardi. And there is no Cominardi in this country. It's all still the old vaccine. They're using up stock. So they did a bait and switch on that as well. They said, yep, Pfizer vaccine is going to be approved. It's called Cominardi and you can't get Cominardi. (laughs) Interesting. So there's, there's a bunch of things now that we're getting into the vaccine topic and everything, a bunch of things I want to bring up. Um, There's some questions I have for you in regards to things that you may know that I that I'm trying to get access to as far as information. Okay. I was listening to, uh, (laughs) I listened to a bunch of podcasts. I'm just going to be bringing up a bunch of Joe Rogan once tonight, unfortunately, but they they were really good interviews. I always, yeah, I just listened to it because he has a a natural state of curiosity. All we got to do is (laughs) just spike all the politicians (laughs) with DMT, let them meet the green mother, get him straightened out a little bit, let him see. Yeah. Yeah, See ahead, the, the, uh, the, the fairies, right? <laughs> the yeah, fairy the, the, the gnomes. Um, the gnomes, that's what it is, yeah. The, uh, so I was listening to the Ted Nugent interview, which his first interview with Ted Nugent was among my top Fire. favorite ones. Fire. Yeah, but, but this one, he had said, Ted Nugent talked about the Constitution, Bill of Rights, in regards to that he would shoot someone that tries to inject this vaccine into his arm. And I'm going to get the terminology wrong. And this is where I want you to step in because I know you're going to know this right off the bat. He said, as soon as you penetrate my skin, you have acted against me in regards to something in the constitution. And I have the right to retaliate against you. Do you know what he's talking about? Um, now that you've asked me, no, but I bet I would have come up with out of out of a stream of unconsciousness. Yeah. Um, I'll let my subconscious yeah. work on that. But yeah, we have the right okay. to life. We have the right to life. And if you're going to try and yes. inject something that kills people, then clearly you're violating my right to life. So there's that. Liberty would be maybe it is bodily autonomy. Yeah, although yeah. the words bodily autonomy aren't in the Constitution. Right. Um, although yeah. you know, even back then we had a smart founding father. I don't remember his name. I think it was Samuel something rather that said, "Hey, we better put something in the Constitution." Um, about medicine, because otherwise the doctors will have an exclusive on everything. And he was not wrong. It just took a little bit longer. Took to the Rockefellers in the early 1900s. And, um, you know, Rockefeller medicine based on petroleum, allopathic medicine. Mm. That brings up another question I have for you. Um, Yes. All this stuff that's going on right now, especially with the controversy surrounding ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and all these other preventative drugs in the early stages that are being outlawed by states and just outright censored as far as information is concerned on social media and all these other platforms. Joe Biden, what is it, rescinded a lot of the executive orders and stuff that Trump put through? Or is that the word for it, rescinded or, or whatever it is? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. Whatever I don't happened with the right to try? Whatever happened with the right to try act? Did they get rid of that? No, well, the right to try act is for novel things that haven't been approved yet. So you're looking at drugs that right. have not been through the approval process. So, I mean, technically, the right to try act, I don't think would cover something like you know, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine because those are already out in the marketplace. So, so it's you know, only I, I don't think the legislation experimental drugs. That's my understanding. I mean, you'd have to read the law yourself, but um, it was funny because when I 
when I was debating in 2018 against Joe Donnelly and Mike Braun for the United States Senate seat here from Indiana, behind the scenes, Donnelly was awesome and friendly. And I talked to him. We talked a lot about hemp behind the scenes. And he said, you know, we haven't really told anybody yet, but the Farm Act, you know, Farm Bill's coming out. And there's going to be some hemp, you know, you're going to be pleased. We talked about, you know, right to try and how he had really, you know, been instrumental in pushing that legislation through. So my understanding, just talking to, to Joe behind the scenes, is that this is Joe Donnelly, that this is something that um, is, is purely based on experimental drugs that have not yet been approved. Um, so It should be more broad because if, if you... I think you should be able to, to, within reason, if if the if a doctor or professional is saying that this is something that could possibly help you and nothing else is working, even if it is something that's on the market already, you should be able to try it. In my mind, you know, You're just as, about as an, an example, ideal world that ignores all the profit motives of, of all the <laughs> and you know, and it as a libertarian, you know, then I start to get down to the issues of personhood. And corporations having personhood. So you have um, you have Merck, for example, that had the biggest lawsuit up to that time. I mean, now there have been bigger class action mm-hmm. lawsuits since then with Vioxx. They um, they defrauded the they they committed fraud when they submitted the studies to the FDA showing that Vioxx was safe because they wanted to have another novel drug that they could charge a whole bunch of money for. So that was you know that was an NSAID. They said that it was actually no. more it comes out it was no more effective than ibuprofen for pain, but they needed that novel molecule that they could sell at a premium. So they knew going into it, Merck did, that they were committing fraud. They were not telling the FDA that there had been heart attacks in the people in the studies. So by the time it got sold and then the class action lawsuit came, we had an estimated 55,000 Americans, just Americans, dead from heart attacks and another 150,000 with strokes. Now, that was a unique case in the fact that not only was it over a billion dollars total, which is pretty darn big, but there was also criminal liability that was admitted to in that case. But the criminal liability wasn't for killing people. It was for lying to the SEC in the prospectus about how much money they were going to make on this thing. And um, and it's funny because in that year, their perspective basically says, ah, don't worry about the Vioxx lawsuit. We got cash reserves. We'll just write a check. That's almost literally what it said. So their stock didn't even dip. So because corporations have the ability to operate in society as a fictional person, as a person, um, nobody went to jail. Nobody was brought up on charges. I mean, if that was if that was my dad that had died from from Vioxx, I'd, I'd want the guy sitting in jail or I'd want him hanging from the nearest tree, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. was responsible for that. And it doesn't get any more responsible than the CEO. They know that they're doing this, but they do it because they can get away with it. And it's so incredibly profitable. This is why it's difficult for myself as a libertarian to get any traction in the electorate, in the election system, because I don't have any fraud to trade. I can't say, um, hey, once I get in, Eli Lilly, I'm going to vote for Marinol and we'll keep you know, marijuana out of the state of Indiana, which they've been successful doing, so that instead your synthetic crap, your synthetic THC, which actually causes seizures and all kinds of harm, we can keep that out so that you can keep your market share on Marinol. We'll keep out regular, you know, real marijuana. I don't have that, tr- that fraud to trade, but Mike Braun does and Joe Donnelly does, the Republicans and the Democrats do. Todd Young certainly does. Who's our who's our other current senator that I debated against? So it makes it a hard yeah. road to hoe when you're when you're somebody that genuinely wants to make the world a better place and wants to start to dismantle um, these systems. 
I start to look over at, you know, Antifa and I'm like, you guys are wrong. You got the right idea to dismantle the system, but you don't understand that you're actually being led and controlled by communists to install something worse. And same thing with BLM. Mm-hmm. You don't understand that you you are right to dismantle the systems, but the problem is, is that you're being funded secretly uh, by the, the by actually old white guys who are controlling you. So what do you <laughs> yes. do, man? What do you do when you know all this stuff and you can't affect a change? Yep. Dr. Peter McCullough uh, worked for the CDC and was at the NAIC, NAIC at one point in time in regards to when drugs would hit the market, he would be involved in the uh, testing phases of those drugs and originally said that had I think it was about 10 to 15 people died from that drug in the initial release, they would have pulled it off the market immediately to do further testing. Right now, one of the biggest uh, controversies in our in our system here is the VAERS system and how many of those reported cases of vaccine injuries are actually real or not. And that seems to be a point of contention. But one of the things that Dr. Peter McCullough was talking about is that it's a very stringent system and has lots of things in place, including felonies for people that yes. lie on it. When they believe yes. that the the number is actually closer to 5% of total reported cases around there. Um, I think a good comparison as well is the UK yellow tag system, which is essentially their VAERS system, yeah, is uh, reporting similar types of results. And right now we're being completely lied to. I I listen to Spotify, or it's either Spotify or, or, or our local radio station, and they are literally playing an ad that is geared towards parents and talking about children. It's completely, literally saying it's completely 100% safe for your kids to get this vaccine. And you're taking away their time with, with other kids. You're taking away their school time. You're taking away their outside activities. You're taking away this and that and going through the whole list. And I'm horrified by this because of our previous conversation about the, the court system for vaccine injury and that what was it 200 or 250,000 is the max that you can get and then you sign an NDA that 250 you can't talk about for a de- well it's 250,000 for a dead baby under this uh under the old vaccines now the covid vaccine is under a completely different compensation scheme uh, where my understanding that is that the the ceiling is now 100,000 and it's severely underfunded i think they've had three people compensated out of millions and millions wow. and millions of shots yeah that yeah, it's a, it's is, a different compensation system. That's even scarier. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, they're paying hospitals $30,000 plus just to record a vaccine or record a COVID case so that they can get funding. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about that, and this is what I'm interested in for you, and I ask almost everybody that I talk to that has an open mind and willing to talk about these things logically and responsibly and civilly in these cases. I personally know about 10 people, I would say, off the top of my head that have within circles released information about how they were injured by the, the yes. COVID vaccines Two yes. two of my friends, two of my of friends that I went to high school with experienced seizures immediately afterwards and had their driver's licenses taken away until they can prove that the seizures are stopping. One of my friends that is a family friend, his lips felt like they were on fire for a, yeah. a week or two. One week. Yeah. They felt like they were on fire. There was nothing that the doctors could do to figure out what the heck was going on. And he and basically had psychosomatic. Insomnia. Did they tell him that yes. it was all in yeah. his head? 
You know, it's just the stress from I the pandemic. Know. You're just scared yeah. from watching the TV. And this is, you know, even they'll, they'll literally tell this to people that have been veterans that have been, you know, had oncoming, you know, fire. You know, they, they've been in the, yeah. they've been in the, I want to say, yeah, it's in the grass, but, you know, they've, they've been in yeah. firefights and that wasn't enough stress to cause their, their lips to burn. But, you know, suddenly, oh yeah, the stress of, you know, being locked up in your house and, and watching the TV. Um, you know, that's Wait, really real interesting. Quick. My aunt. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, real quick. I, and then I want to hear some of the stories that you have, because I feel like everyone I talk to has a group of people that are experiencing these vaccine side effects and and everyone you talk to they they have some they know somebody that had something happen to them it's very rare that you run into someone that says you know that's completely brainwashed head in the sand going it's 100% safe what the heck are you worried about you know no, uh, i don't know anybody do. that didn't get <laughs> Oh, I know. I know one that's a freaking retired nurse that's in my dad's ear. And he's like, you're insane. Could you please listen to this information that my son has? Just listen to this. And they, they're they like, no, 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 I refuse to listen to it. I refuse to listen to any other information. This is this is one of my favorite ones. My friend that's out in Arizona right now, her brother got the vaccine both vaccine, the first two vaccines, because he had to travel to Japan, I believe it was for business or something. After the first one, he got the, uh, the case of myocarditis, okay? Whatever was going on wow. with that. He decided to get the uh, second one anyway, okay? He got COVID, okay? <laughs> he got COVID anyway. And then, uh, then just a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, he got COVID for a second time. Okay. Now there's some interesting things about that, that we're going to get into as well, depending on how much time you have. But the interesting thing about that is while this is all going on and he de is dealing with the second case of COVID, her family uses this to say to her, he just got it for the second time. That's why you need to go get this vaccine. What? Uh -huh. <laughs> Where is the logical reasoning with these people at all? You know, it's all driven by the marketing departments at Pfizer. And Moderna, this everything is everything is marketing. So, my aunt, um, one of my mom's sisters, uh, she died, keeled over, you know, stroked out, and I believe it was because of the vaccine. Um, now she mm. she also had some comorbidities, so you know, obesity and you know just age and things like that. She was in her sixties, but then I look at my son's ex girlfriend, his mom. I'm sorry, the son's ex-girlfriend. So the girlfriend's mom was in her 40s. Mm -hmm. She was dead within seven or eight days after her second shot. Just gone. No comorbidities, no wow. no nothing, just, you know, drop dead. And and the problem is, is that, have you seen Andreas Nowak, the video from the German guy that's the, the graphene oxide? I, I want to make sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you got you to gotta see this. So let me give you the thumbnail. This guy named Andre, Andreas Nowak. He's apparently a German guy. He's the foremost expert in this graphene oxide, which are molecules that were a single molecule. And I'm going to, I'm just going to repeat this and I'm going to be wrong so people can fact check me or whatever. Um, but the way that I understand it, they're like mini single razor blades. So they're like 10 nanometers mm -hmm. by 50 by 70. So it's basically like a single razor blade. And these are non-biological things um, because they're made of carbon and they're in about 5% of the vaccines. 
he explained and he did this he did this video he explains who his credentials are how much money he's raised how many companies he's made you know that 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 are based on this like this is the guy in the whole world and he says okay so here's the problem with all these athletes that are dropping like flies they have better circulatory systems better circulatory systems that work faster and they're young healthy athletes which means they're they don't have uh their circulatory system isn't occluded with, with mm-hmm. plaque and cholesterol, which would protect them from these mini razor blades coming in and slicing up the inside of, of their, um, of their veins and arteries. arteries. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the lack of the plaque and the cholesterol mean that you're right there with the epithelial lining, which is supposed to be super smooth. And now it's getting cut up by these tiny razor blades. Well, what about the heart tissue? The heart tissue is getting cut up as well. And so you're literally bleeding out from the inside. But the problem is, is it's, it's on such a small scale and the injuries are so tiny, they're literally at the molecular level that it's it's not something you can detect and it's not biological. You can't grow it in a Petri dish. So you can't say, okay, well, they had tuberculosis and we've sampled it and here's the Petri dish with all the overgrown tuberculosis bacteria. no. You don't, there's no, there's no real test for it. So it's the perfect murder weapon. And if you're young and male and athletic, you're going to drop faster than the next person because your body's so good at circulating these things. And they're literally gaslighting people with this whole athletic thing, because we are seeing video after video of soccer players and stuff like that, that are running at full speed. Oh, without even doing that, they're just like, boom, and just down you know, right onto the ground. And it's like, it is mind boggling to see these people at peak performance drop dead like that. And then you hear, you hear the news media saying, well, this actually happens uh, every so often, every year with multiple sports. And you're like, not like this, you know, but that what you were just talking about brings up a really interesting question that I had, which is the biggest concern for me. You're anti-vax. I'm certainly anti-vax in, in regards to this and, and most of the other ones at this point and everything too. Here's what scares the crap out of me and why I've become so pessimistic, okay? We could do all we want. What's the vaccination rate in this, in this country alone right now? Um, for the COVID vaccine, about 65%. And for everything else, north of 85 or 90. Now, those are the childhood okay. vaccines. Most people stop taking vaccines right. once they're no longer required to and once they have the choice for themselves. There are a few people that get the flu shot every year because they're just stupid. Um, but yeah. I mean, other than that, most people, once they're given the choice, stop vaccinating themselves. It's You get them when they're kids because you're getting the guilt compliance from the parents. You want to do the right thing for your kids and you want your kids to be healthy. And this is what everybody does. And it's tied into the public school system. I thought in total that the COVID vaccines was a, a more in line with the 70 percentile range up in the 70s. I'm, I'm hearing I'm hearing two thirds. Now, here's okay. what we're hearing two thirds. Is it really two thirds or is it really more like 42 percent? We don't know because they can say anything mm-hmm. that they want and people are just going to accept it at face value. That's true. But here's the scary part. We could do all we want. But what if one day, God forbid, we get into a car accident? and we need a blood transfusion. How many of those blood transfusions are going to be blood from people that actually got the vaccine? And are you hearing anything about that type of situation? And will that carry over into our bloodstream then from from blood transfusions? 
That's a great idea. Uh, great question. And the answer is, I don't know, you don't know, and nobody knows because we are the experiment. We're in the middle of an experiment right now. Now, I like to take things, I like to take things back to the spiritual level. Um, and I'm so distressed that people that I know that are Bible-believing evangelical Christians have gone out and gotten this vaccine. Now, not a lot of them, um, but enough of them within my circle that I'm like, really? Like, you didn't trust the immune system God gave you? But some of them are nurses, and so they thought that they had further knowledge, which is, um, that's the hubris, right? If you eat of the apple, then you get to have the knowledge of good and evil, and you get to be like God. So, you know, even people that shouldn't be snookered got snookered. So then the question becomes, DNA. What is DNA? Is that the fingerprint of the gods? I mean, that is like the individual imprint of how God created us and formed us in the womb. So now if we go and we take this, this RNA changing vaccine and it changes our RNA, that changes our DNA, that changes our whole genetic structure, are we no longer gods? Are we, and in other words, not as we being gods, being nouns ourselves, but as in, do we no longer belong to God because we are no longer mm -hmm. part of his creation? And this is the whole thing behind transhumanism and chimerism and the agenda for for trans, uh, from transgenderism and children. I mean, surely you saw the woman that's like, oh, my four-year-old is non-binary and, she, you know, he, she, they've been talking about it for years. And it's like, lady, your kid can't even read. You know, mm -hmm. there's no way that your kid would even ex expose to this. And actually, Piers Morgan, of all people, called this woman out. I don't know if you saw that interview. Yeah. She gets on there and he called her no. straight out and said, lady, at four years old, my kid was still eating the crayons and, and certainly <laughs> not reading. So the only source for that child to have that information was you. And it sounds like it's your agenda, not your child's. And she was like, oh, oh. Yep. yeah, she was no longer the yeah. woke hero, which I couldn't believe was Piers Actually, just to go off track a little bit there, Matt Walsh just appeared on uh, Dr. Phil and uh, uh, debated two trans activists on there. And they are it is fascinating but I, I would actually suggest i know 2020 is hindsight and, and like you know after you get done with something like that but his video analyzing that interview after the fact and going back and p playing clips was actually even better because in the heat of the moment especially when you're in a debate you forget things you get emotional yeah. and there's things that you want to say and you just don't say it he had some great points and he's not he's not being hateful at all he's like Define I what a woman friends. is for me. Yeah, I have trans yeah, friends. Yeah. And, and I will say to them the I did. same thing that I and say to everybody else. Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's, that's a him problem. I believe that, um, and again, this, because, this is because I believe it's a spiritual battle. I, I had this conversation, I'm telling you, I had this conversation with my eight-year-old, my 13-year-old, my 15-year-old in the car earlier this evening, which is God creates and Satan destroys. So... Mm -hmm. What has been on the agenda for as long as I can remember, and certainly for hundreds of years, is if you have an asset like livestock, you want to be able to control which of the livestock breed and which ones don't, which is why you have, you know, the eugenics experiments and Margaret Sanger starting Planned Parenthood along with, you know, Bill Gates's dad back in, in the early 1900s. They were, you know, sterilizing people who wore glasses, for goodness sakes, because they weren't fit. So it has, mm. it has long been the desire of the ruling class to be able to control the breeding of the underclasses because they, they think that we're unfit anyway since we're not them. So what I was talking with my kids about is how do you um, reduce the amount of breeding? Well, one way is through homosexuality. 
I have no problem with people being homosexual. I have lots of friends who are homosexual, bisexual, everywhere along that spectrum, and I love them all. But I do recognize that the institution of homosexuality being presented as a um, as a very desirable lifestyle choice is is because if you can get ten percent of the population to not have sex with the opposite sex, then there's then you got ten percent of the population that isn't breeding. And if they are breeding, then chances are that they're going to have to take some extraordinary measures or go through IVF or something like that. So it's more controllable. Mm-hmm. So how do you um, baphomet? You know, I don't know if you know like Satan with the breasts and the genital, you know, the male genitalia and and the the legs that are goats with the with the hooves, you know, and mm. the as above, so below, whatever the hand signals are. Oh, you know. like it's it's often represented yeah. in like witchcraft. Yeah, stuff. yeah, the whole Baphomet mm-hmm. thing. So that is um, androgyny. That is that is male and female in one body, and then the chimerism, you know, with the with the animal and the goat horns and the goat legs. How do we accomplish chimerism in humans? I will tell you how you do that. You do that through the vaccination program. So if you take the complete DNA of the MRC5, which are the, the male, um, male DNA of an aborted child, and that's in the MMR vaccine by Merck. Now, this is only in the live vaccines, which is why I'm going to be talking about the MMR vaccine. Those MRC-5 cells we know from the investigation done that it was an abortion from a woman who was in a mental institution and had like hallucinations and she was schizophrenic and bipolar and she had some serious issues. And so this baby was aborted and it's his, this little baby's cells that are now spun up. The measles has grown on it and then it's injected into children. Now, what happens when you take complete DNA of one human being and you inject it into another. I mean, what I have a brother that got a liver transplant. I mean, like there's like 50,000 things that you make sure, like from the blood type and then that, all these other things that you, you make sure that you're not going to get a rejection. But now you're taking one cell line of one human being and injecting it into every child, both male and female. Then you've got the Verivax vaccine, which is the, um, the chickenpox vaccine. And that has WI-38 cells, which is a female child that was aborted for Mm. the purpose of growing the varicella. So now you have the complete genome. You can't filter this stuff out. You can't filter it out. And that's being injected um, into into every baby, both male and female. At certain points, I mean, I can tell you I've had 10 kids, so I I know biology and human development pretty well. At some point in my pregnancy, every, and I don't know if you know this, but um, every child that's conceived is conceived as female and then it's a burst of testosterone. I mean, you still got like the X and mm. Y, but it's the burst of testosterone that forms it, you know, into the penis and into, um, and you know, into male genitalia. So without that, that burst of testosterone, you don't get the wiring for the way that men think differently than women, um, and you don't get the out, you know, the the outdoor plumbing, as I like to call it, instead of indoor plumbing. Well, what happens at other points along the development of a child? you start injecting the genome from others. I'll tell you what happens. I believe that you end up with male children who have absorbed somehow some of this female DNA, and now they think they're women. They think that they are a little girl, even though they're trapped in a boy's body. They look down, they see a penis, but they don't feel attached to that because everything that should have happened was blocked. Now, the evidence that I give you for this, there's a very famous case of a guy that had a kidney transplant um, and living donor. Uh, The kidney transplant was from a guy in Germany 
the guy I think is actually from Arizona, and you can look this up. It's it's pretty famous. Um, they did a, they did a DNA test, and his sperm DNA was the DNA of the German guy who gave him the kidney. He was not shooting his own his own bullets. He was shooting the DNA huh. of the German. And so, you know, I don't know of any other widespread research to collect the sperm of people that are organ donors and organ recipients to see, yeah. you know, if the, you know, but it just so happened that there was a, like a paternity test involved and things. So um, there's some really interesting <laughs> things about biology. So I'll tell my friends that are trans, hey, you know, I don't doubt that you have felt this way since you were very young. And I honor the fact that you feel this way and it's your body to alter. Um, but would you maybe have been happier if you hadn't had to go through all this? Just saying. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, it's really unfortunate because what pissed off my trans friend was that we started coming out against the vaccine and it had nothing to do with trans rights or anything like that. And when he came out to me and my wife as a she, they were, the person was very upset and thought that we were going to abandon them as a friend, you know? And I said, buddy, it's going to take a lot more than that for ah. us to abandon you. I said, we may not agree with what you're doing. I said, but as Christians, we're called to love and, and yes. be there for each other, no matter what. And, you know, whatever sins are, are out there. And I'm talking like everything. I, I disagree with my, my friends that cheat on their spouses and everything, but that doesn't mean I abandon, right. them, you know? Right. And so it, it takes a lot more than that. Eventually it was the whole vaccine thing that, that turned them away from us. And they just got so angry and it's, and it was, it was hard to go back and remind them, Hey, listen, we were there for you when you came out of what you were dealing with and we didn't judge you like, you know, and it, it was just a mess, but here's, here's what the topic I really want to get onto because I believe that's in the same vein. And this is something, especially since I'm inundated in my household with estrogen, completely surrounded. I have three <laughs> daughters, my wife, a bunch of freaking female chickens in the house. And now my yeah. sister moved in with her female dog. So it's, it is literally, I am yeah. drowning over here yeah. right now. Okay. Like in the ocean. You're outnumbered. <laughs> but here's the most concerning thing to me. Dr. Malone, who is the, holds 15, I believe, patents on the mRNA technology that went into the vaccine. Um, he was talking about some really interesting things. Did you happen to catch his interview on Joe Rogan? I have not watched it yet. Yes. Fill me in. Okay. So two things that he pointed out. Let me go into this one first, uh, because I think it'll lead to the deeper question of, of really serious concerns that I have, which is he went to personally speak with the Hasidic Jew community up in New York City, or I think it was New York City. I think it was in the city. Apparently, and this is fascinating, the Hasidic Jew community uh, keeps very close scientific tabs on the female population within their Jewish community for, on their ovulation cycles mm -hmm. because they want to procreate and continue the expansion of their community. They actually track the ovulation cycles and menstrual cycles of the women in their community. And when the vaccines came out and they started to be released and these women were taking them within the community, they started to notice very troubling signs that were happening within the community that were dealing with the ovulation cycle or menstrual cycle. I'll just go with menstrual yep. cycle. 
And, uh, and they immediately came out and said, we highly, we're, we're, we're adamantly against children getting this vaccine, but we're also going to come out and say, we, we greatly believe that women in our community should not be getting this vaccine. Okay. So they started noticing these things because they kept tab, which goes into, and I don't want to get too far off track, but you said earlier, we're living in an experiment. Dr. Malone, or no, it wasn't, it was Eric Weinstein. Okay. uh, Of the dark horse podcast. It uh, was like, yeah, he said to say that this is a human experiment is, is fundamentally wrong because in a human experiment, in in any kind of experiment, you have control groups and you at least keep tabs on what's going on with the people. He said, we're not doing any of that. We're not tracking anything. This is an utter failure of science. The the best way to describe the Dark Horse podcast where he had Eric Wein, uh, where Eric Weinstein had um, Dr. Malone and this other scientist on was the conclusion that they came to is when people say that you need to trust science in regards to this, their response is, Science threw science out the window in order to achieve what they're doing right now. So there's no yeah. way we're, we're going to trust in science, which leads me into the next point here. Dr. Malone was talking about how um, this this vaccine, which was originally supposed to stay in the upper arm, which we all knew was BS because uh-huh. the circulatory right. system, that is yeah. basic science that you learn about in high school, you know, or middle school. Didn't yeah, because stay there. everybody knows Went that your the... immune system, yeah, your, your whole immune yeah. system is right here in your bicep, and whatever you right. put there will stay there and fight the flu. Duh. Yeah. So it goes throughout the whole circulatory system, and his point was the lipid that's involved in, in this uh, vaccine, specifically for females, is going into their ovaries. Now, we're seeing an uptick in two major things in the menstrual cycle for women. Women that... Uh, Joe Rogan even said he knows a woman in her 30s who, after getting the vaccine, stopped the the menstrual cycle. She no longer gets periods, okay, prior to menopause, okay? In regards to uh, post-menopausal women, after getting the vaccine, there is an uptick of women that start having their period again. So this is really screwing with the ovaries of females specifically, we are the, you know, women's hormonal cycles are so delicate. If people really understood how delicate it is for, you know, everything to happen so that you can become pregnant and then not lose that, that pregnancy, uh, they would be so amazed at what God has created. I will stand here or sit here and share with you that as a person who re- I received my last vaccine when I was about 10 years old, again, once I had mm-hmm. the choice, I never received anymore. Um, but my dad and my brother got the vaccine and didn't tell me they hid it from me. And so last February, um, I went and I hung out with them, you know, went over to dad's house and hung out with my brother and my dad all day and didn't get my period for five months after that. Mm. And when it came back, now my husband said, now, honey, you know, you are 49 years old. I'm 50 now. I've had a birthday. He said, you're 49 years old. You could be, you know, premenopausal, perimenopausal. I'm like, okay, fair. But... Um, I, you know, I've had 10 kids. I know my reproductive cycle. I'm, you know, I'm the sort of person that like is every 28 days, like you can bank on it. And so, you know, and there was no indication of, of any irregularity before that hung out with them. Didn't find out till three or four weeks later, um, that they'd gotten vaccinated because they, you know, they finally slipped up and told me, um, when my period finally did come back, it was so immensely painful. And I was passing clots the size of walnuts. 
Um, and so it was mm. really disconcerting because I'm like, okay, this isn't normal. And then I started to hear of other women, you know, women that worked together, for example, at a hair salon where one or two of the women were vaxxed and the others weren't. And the women who were not vaxxed were also having problems. So we know that we know that the spike protein is shedding, but we don't know about its persistence. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Yep. We just don't mm-hmm. know what the persistence is. Yeah, vaccine is. shedding is exactly what you're talking about. So yep. the the I, I, I'm I'm actually I really appreciate you being so open and talking about yourself like that because I know that that's a hard thing for most people to I say personal details like that. <laughs> you're like I oh, freaking ten <laughs> kids, whatever. It's all yeah, come out exactly. Of here, you know, here. Like. let me but, play you one of my. But first the, videos. the interesting thing about that. <laughs> so the um, the because I, I I don't want to tell someone else's story. And, and put them out there like that. But there was a specific big event where we knew that the majority of people were vaccinated for, um, for a funeral, basically. And someone that I know said that they were, they were having their period at the time. And they said that it was immensely worse and heavy, heavier than usual Very heavy. that yes. day in that room when that was happening with those people like and they said that, that it, it was same day like, with while while they were there yeah 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 it just yeah something very powerful i mean there's a lot of, i think there's a lot of powerful things going on with this vaccine that just no one wants to talk about and the, the thing that really gets me is you know so much they 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 claim that we're the ones with the misinformation, but it's like I, <laughs> I've I've heard so many stories and looked into yeah. this so much. I, I keep on saying it, it may be arrogant on my part. I feel like I could sit down with your average doctor or nurse that is pro-vax this vaccine and intelligently debate them or at least ask them questions that they can't answer. Right. And I'm not talking about like stupid questions either. Just ask either. them questions that they, yeah, just ask them some, a few simple questions they can't answer, which is, you know, long-term side effects. What are the five-year, what are the five-year side effects of this? Well, mm-hmm. it's completely safe yep. and effective. Well, we haven't had it out for five years. So how would we know? You know, it's, it's the height yeah. of hubris um, to, to simply repeat what somebody else has said and to think that you're smart. And of course, all that yeah. everybody is repeating right now are the marketing department lies, like it's, it's safe and it's effective. I've got somebody mm-hmm. in my local party. Um, you know, he's he's a nice man. We disagree on a lot of things because I'm a very conservative libertarian. He's a very left libertarian. Um, mm. I think he wants to be libertarian to hang out with the cool kids. I think he's actually just a leftist. But um, <laughs> but the bottom line is is he's he's genuinely a, a scientific guy. You know that was that was educated and you know by science. You know, and, and the universities here and. You know, I asked him a couple of questions and immediately the first thing that he said was, well, you know, it's safe and effective and it would have been would have been worse without the vaccine. Like you there there is no objective way to determine that. And even when I pointed out to him that the definition of unvaccinated means that you're not at least 14 days past your second shot. So, you know, my friends who are nurses who actually work in the ICU are telling me, oh, yeah, we got people in here 10 days after their first shot, 12 days after their second shot. They're in the ICU, but they are listed as unvaccinated. Um, <laughs> and regardless of that, they can just make up whatever they want on TV anyway. I mean, there's there's no reason, I don't think, to trust anything the mainstream media says at all. Yeah. Uh, so some of the basic questions, and I think that this is important. I think, you know, 
you and I can come up with these basic questions and know that you can corner someone on this. But I think it's actually a good thing for you and I to talk about right now, because I think that people should be equipped with with those questions when they're cornered and in a situation so that you're never going to change. I don't think you're going to change the hardcore person's mind that is pro-vaccine, but the people around you, those are the people listening in on the conversation that typically are standing by idly going, I'm interested in seeing who comes out on top on, on this conversation, even if it's not a a downright battle, you know, and you're just being very inquisitive and kind of going along with it. I always say that my basic questions are this number one, does the vaccine stop contraction of the virus? No. It does not. Does the vaccine prevent you from getting the virus? No, it does not. Or I'm sorry, that was the same question. Does it prevent you from spreading the virus? No, it does not. You know, um, the exactly what you said there before. And I, and I think that this is what really drives it home. When people say that you would have been worse off had you not gotten the vaccine, show me the study that shows that. There's no lot, there is no way that you can prove that unless you could go back in time with that same person, have them not get the vaccine and go through the same sickness again under the same exact circumstances because each of us has an individual body that reacts differently. So you can't compare one person to another person. Not only that, the people that got the vaccines and then ended up dying from COVID, how could they have had it worse? Without right. the, with, with the, it's like, like oh you could have yeah, died but you could have had it a lot worse you know it's yeah like, you could have said you, you know, talking it about it could have taken 14 days of torture to kill you instead of you know one day you know that would have yeah. been worse the the uh the uk i believe and and a lot of people that are like steve dace's group and everything like that that have really looked into a lot of things um the uk seems to be releasing the most scientific data in regards to everything that's going on and and truthful data i guess you could say as truthful as you can get at this point in time but they say, were by saying what standard are you the, judging them how would you know uh, to be fair i guess i i don't know because i think that the i think that our I, well it goes back to the incentives i think from the government with the hospitals and funerals and everything else like it, that kind of bs isn't tied up in over there i'm guessing oh yeah I don't it know. is you just don't the, know about the, it they, yeah. they have doctors getting paid to <laughs> well, give kill shots. They've got this one doctor the, that's given like 10,000 injections and oh, 20 or 30% of the people who gave the, and he makes 30 pounds per injection. And so, yeah, he's just going around injecting people, freaking angel of death. <laughs> but the, the UK, they, they came out with a study that I thought was, it wasn't, didn't seem so biased. Okay. They released a study a couple months ago that said that the, uh, the, the percentage of deaths from in in the hospital in regards to the, the covid virus 45% were unvaccinated or 45% were vaccinated 55% weren't vaccinated okay now the unvaccinated is higher but when you take into account the margin of error in scientific studies and stuff like that you're basically at 50-50% there you know it's it is not that far off at that point you know, which which kind of goes along with the the last port, uh, last question I typically ask for people is if the virus was so prevalent in 2019, uh, I'm sorry, 2020, and the majority of people were unvaccinated, especially until the end there. How are more people dying in 2021 than in 2020 when right. the majority of people have been vaccinated at this point? 
Right. I mean, there's a perfect correlation between the, the number of vaccines uptaken and and the number of cases. Vaccine cases go up with vaccine administration, or I'm sorry, COVID cases go up with vaccine administration. And, you know, if we were all sitting here sitting ducks, you know, with no protection from COVID, then it should have spread like wildfire. And if the projections from the Royal College of London, whatever that guy's name is, the same one who told us we're all going to die of prion and Jacob Kreutzfeldt mm-hmm. disease if we ate cows, the same one who won't allow people to actually look at his algorithms or math, he's the one that predicted all the, you know, the it's going to happen with COVID and we got to lock everybody down. It was his research that was used as an excuse. If that was all true, then we would have all had it. We would have all had it within mm-hmm. a year if it was really that contagious and it couldn't be spread. And, you know, that the spread could not be stopped. So then all of a sudden, all the cases go up once you start vaccinating. The naivete, um, and and maybe it's not naivete, maybe it's just simple behavioral operant conditioning, right? I mean, go back to B.F. Skinner, go back to, you know, any basic psychology. And if you tell the same lie long enough, and if you incentivize the right behaviors, you can get a pigeon to do, you know, to do spins inside a box, or you can get a human to say, but I'm glad I got my vaccine because it would have been worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then the question: What other comes, questions do, we, do you typically ask? Um, oh, I yeah. just I just ask really basic questions. Like I, I ask, do you you know do you believe the vaccine is effective? Same thing as you. Um, and do you believe the vaccine is safe? Well, if the vaccine is so safe and effective, now I've been like this my pretty much my whole life. I already told you, you know, I read my first book, A. Ralph Epperson's The Unseen Hand, when I was a teenager. The first book that I read. Um, that really started on me on my journey when I was 13 um, is called Vaccination, the Silent Killer by Ida Onoroff. And you can get that, you know, online free PDF now. She was a consumer activist mm-hmm. out of California. And what she, what I learned with, with hers is that, first of all, um, vaccines are not safe. Every vaccine has caused harm and vaccines don't, act, and this is not just the COVID vaccines, none of the rest of them work either. So they don't actually prevent the disease that you're vaccinated against. Mm-hmm. The, the best that they can do is suppress your immune system to keep from mounting a response. So it looks like you've conquered the disease, but really it's just that your immune system is messed up and you can't fight against it. So I simply ask them, you know, do you believe the vaccine is safe? Yes. Do you believe the vaccine is effective? This is the same speech that or conversation that I had at 20 years old. I've got my baby girl who's now 30 and she's she's just born. We're six weeks old. We're at the pediatrician's office and he's telling me, okay, now the next thing I need you to do, Miss Brenton, and I'm like, Mrs. Brenton, because they think that you're all, you know, young teenage moms or whatever. Um, he said, I need you to, you know, see the receptionist on the way out because you're going to make an appointment for her eight week old vaccines. And I said, no. And he looked at me and he's like, no, I'm like, no, we won't be doing vaccines. And he said, well, you have to do vaccines. It's the law. And I said, well, that's really interesting. What law is that? And he looked at me and I said, yeah, I'm pre-law. I'm going to law school. Surely, I mean, you're a really smart guy. You're a doctor. You know that all laws have a number. So what law is it in Indiana that says I have to vaccinate her? And he said, well, we just want her to be safe. I said, me too. That's why I'm here as her mom to make sure that, you know, she's meeting her height and growth milestones and all that. And then I took a different tactic. I decided to be a little bit wise. And I'm like, wow, doc, I I can see this is really important to you. He said, oh, yes, it's so important. I said, so you think it's important for my child to be vaccinated? Yes, yes, ma'am, it is. Okay. Um, And you believe that they're safe and effective? He said, yes. I said, 100% safe and 100% effective. She'll be completely safe and she'll be protected from whatever disease she gets her vaccine for. And he said, yes, absolutely. And I said, great. So I'm going to have my attorney draw up a document that says 
that if she suffers any negative reaction or adverse event from any of these vaccines whatsoever, that you agree to be personally liable for all of her current and future medical bills. And in addition, you'll agree to set aside $1 uh, $1 million um, in a fund to take care of any future uh, expenses that, that haven't been anticipated. And he goes, well, I would never sign such a thing. And I said, if you won't put your money on the line, why would I put her health on the line? This was me at 20. And my mom is just dying laughing. I wish my husband had been there with me for that appointment because it probably would have gone a little less smoothly. Yeah. Um, Along those lines in regards to health of individuals, two interviews ago, I interviewed uh, Steve Ryder. I don't know if you happen to see me post that, but he is he started something called the Never Alone Project. And he lost his wife uh, in, I forget, it was during the pandemic, but basically she was in the hospital for unrelated COVID. It wasn't related to COVID for 21 days. And him and his sons were not allowed to go in there and be with her uh, the entire time. Yeah. And uh, on the 21st day, when they thought that she was going to be coming home, she suffered uh, cardiac arrest. He rushed to go to the hospital and on the way to the hospital got a phone call that she had passed away and it infuriated him enough that he started the Never Alone Project, which um, you can find at neveralonepandemic.org. But he's it's basically a venture to get legislators to pass something to allow individuals to have at least one tested family member by their side at any given time if they're in the hospital and gave stories uh, for instance of a woman who brought her like six or nine year old son in with a broken arm to the er and they told the mother that she had to wait outside and he wasn't even allowed to have his teddy bear with him because of everything that's going on the inhumanity of of our overlords and this is all mm -hmm. this is all to create um psychic break it's all to create a psychological mm-hmm. break and and what about the inhumanity of the doctors and the nurses who enforce this you see the the rolling yeah. down of the authority and the willingness to commit these kind of atrocities against fellow human beings i mean the decision was made by every single person at that hospital to block that father and that son from going to their mother and, and wife every single one of those now, at some point, and I'm not saying that this is something that is desirable and that I want everybody to do this, so don't take my words out of context, people who might be listening or try and twist it, but at some point, somebody's going to go postal and they're going to do mm-hmm. like, you know, Denzel Washington's character did in that movie and and they're going to make sure and, and, and I'm going to say they deserve it. I'm going to say if you're mm-hmm. standing in between me and my loved one who is dying, that you shouldn't expect me to be okay with that. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, the the main reason why I interviewed him is because our stories were so similar. Um, I don't think I talked to you since then, but last December, not last December, the December before, um, because we just passed the one-year anniversary last month, um, my mom was dealing with her third bout of cancer and was in the hospital uh, because I, of what we believe was a hospital uh, caused stroke while she was in there first, just getting tested, something that right. they did cause the stroke. And we're sure of it. Not surprised. Um, put, her, put her into the ICU and 
we were not allowed to be with her. She wanted them to help end her life. And because of that, they put a hospital um, guidance person. I, I don't know what they, it would be a health person patient with advocate. her, but it couldn't be a family member, patient advocate. Yeah. With her, but it couldn't be a family member. So the, the most that we could do was after battling to the point where we were talking to the hospital lawyers and the lawyers were giving us permission saying, if the director of the floor gives you permission to go, we see no reason why you shouldn't be able to, but you have to talk to the director. And the director was saying, no, absolutely not. Cutting off communication with us for days at a time, not giving us updates on her. Punishing the last thing that we find a bad family mm-hmm. member. Yep. Uh, by, by the end of it, the, the last phone call we got from the hospital, they said, there's nothing more that we can do for your wife and mother. So, uh, we're going to have to move her onto hospice at this point. And your option is either we put her on hospice in the hospital here, and there's one family member allowed at any given time, or you can bring her home and she can be with all of you. And we said, yeah, yeah I mean, duh. no, no effing big choice there. You know what I mean? Yes, so we brought her exactly. home and we got basically half a day with her in, oh in consciousness, so you know, before she passed away. That but is so rough. The, it, yeah. And, and, but the, the thing is, is like, you know, I got emotional during that interview because I mean, it was a height of emotionality between the two of us talking about our stories and him sharing other people's stories that have come out of the woodwork because of him sharing his story and advocating for these things. But the fact of the matter is, it's kind of like you said, first of all, I had nurse friends that gave me scrubs and an old badge from that hospital for yeah, my dad to actually walk do. in yeah. and just go, you know, uh, was he able I to get through? was very cl- he he didn't want to try. He he was oh. this close, and then he was like, "I know." He said, "If I get if I get caught, which he would at some point, he's gonna get up to the room, you know. If I get caught, I don't want to lose all privilege and like not be invited up into the room if something serious happens and I can go." Um, so but I got to the point where I was, yeah. And there is no humanity anymore. That's yeah. my pessimism anymore. You know, uh, I was that close to the postal situation. I was about to take a gun and walk in there and go, you're, no, you're going to let me see her. You're, you're going to let all of us go up and see her. She's in, she's in a room by herself. What are we going to do? Test us. That's all we were asking. Test us. Yeah. Let us go up there. We won't walk around to other patients. We're not up there to high five everyone on the floor at all or anything you know well you got stay the, with the director you've got the director of the floor who is single-handedly preventing you from doing that what if he were kidnapped yep. and put into a room and he was you know you single-handedly kept him from seeing any of his family members oh yeah absolutely and that that goes to the other point i just brought up the other day with someone uh actually it was yesterday because i was at church i was talking to someone about this stuff and i said you know what really infuriates me is these types of things at the end of the day trickle down from congress and the types of things that are going on with the cdc the who and their recommendations and then it goes into mandates and through the governors and everybody else and it gets down to the hospitals and like you said in regards to authority coming down, it's like, even if you have a heart in the hospital, you could just be one of those people that's banging along with the sheep and going, yeah, I mean, I, sorry, I can't let you in. There's you nothing know, I any can do single, about it. Any but, single one of those nurses on that floor could have told you what day that floor director was not there, what their day off was. And they could have yeah. said, you know what, just come on in. We won't make it a big deal. And I'll lead you right in there. Now I would have done that, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but you and I are not, we're not, like other people. We're not used right. to submitting to authority. And I, 
I don't believe that anyone has any authority over me. Now, maybe I'm completely insane and crazy because I do recognize, I call it a frame. I do recognize the frame and mantle of authority that when you get pulled over by a police officer, they can kill you with impunity. So it's a really good idea to act as if they have actual authority over you. But I don't believe that they have actual authority over me. I think that they only have authority over me because I'm wise enough to act as if they do and to play into their script. But when it comes right down to it, they're, <laughs> you know, I am. And most of those people are good too. Yeah. Well, thankfully, otherwise you know I mean? we have even more murders, yeah. you know, that are not accounted <laughs> yeah, for. No kidding. But yeah. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is you and I are born as free creations of a sovereign God, <laughs> you know, who created the universe, mm-hmm. if that's your belief system, which it is mine. So you've got to ask yourself, where do these people get off? And the fact is they've just simply been conditioned to follow. And it's, yep. an, it's an insane testament to a public education system that way back in the 1800s and 1900s in this country, when you may know that when they first interst- instituted mandatory public education, they went out and arrested parents who didn't allow their kids, who would not put their kids in public school. Because the people back then We're getting back to that. About. They knew what it was about. Yep. My, my point was to the people at church that, you know, as it trickles down from the, the Congress and stuff like that, I guarantee you if a congressperson's family member was in the hospital, they would get in there. They would walk right in. They, they don't even go to the you same know? hospitals we do. They, they no, I know. Yeah, them. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're, and that is what you just said there about the the institution or the instituting of public education and and people at homeschool. That is another big uh, thing that's back on the table. And the pandemic is, you see, that's the thing about what they're doing and what they're trying to use these tools. And this is what it is. I think you and, and I agree on that. It is a tool that's being used. It's funny how certain things backfire, isn't it? Because they use this to get people to stay home and lose their jobs and depend on the government and everything. But then what happened because of that? The 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 rolling effect, the snowball effect in regards to public education. The kids stayed home with their parents. The kids stayed home with their parents, and the parents finally find out what they're learning in the classroom because they're sitting over there behind the screen and they're hearing what's going on. And they're hearing that like hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Showing up at, at the school board meetings, raising a fit yeah. across the country. Those have been viral videos that we've been seeing over the last year and a half now. And more people have decided to homeschool than ever before in history uh, since the institution instituting a public education. People are like, no, I can handle this at home because I'm seeing what they're learning at home, you know. And, and yeah. now they're realizing, holy crap. We need these kids in public schools where we can continue to indoctrinate them <laughs> with our way of thinking. Now they're yes. now they're opting to be at home because of the very tool that we were using. So now what we have to do is go after the public school uh, or the homeschooling parents and yes. say that what they're doing is detrimental to the kids' health and that we need to somehow ban homeschooling. I mean, that has been on the agenda. It for is the illegal in Germany. It is illegal in Germany mm-hmm. to homeschool. Um, in fact, there was a a family that was trying not to be extradited back to Germany because they knew that once they got there, the kids would be taken away and our government shipped them back over. Yeah. And and their crime There's... was homeschooling, was not submitting to the collectivist thought, which of course is the, the ultimate crime, is it not? Is it not submitting to yeah. the program that somebody else has for your life? So just to let you know, 15-minute uh, warning. Oh, okay. 
Because <laughs> no I, I actually, well, I actually then, have an appointment. Don't know if they'll show up for it, but I've got an appointment in 15 minutes. That's okay. We'll we'll start wrapping it up right now. What we've here's what's boggled my mind, Lucy, is we have talked about things at the end of each podcast in regards to predictions. And I want to continue the trend right now because uh, what we have talked about has come true. I mean, I, I don't think we said anything in the last predictions of, of any of those podcasts that didn't come true. And they were, for most people, not between us, borderline, eh, you sound a little crazy there, you know? They couldn't possibly happened. imagine that happening in this country. Yeah. I think we're being tame with our predictions, to be honest with you. Oh, very you know? much so. I mean, I could like give you like the real predictions, um, but I'm just trying to keep All right, let's one go. Step let's go with your your three month, uh, three to six month predictions that are tame, and then give me one that is off the yeah. wall, and let's see what happens with it. Um, well, we're we're certainly facing a stock market correction, if you want to call it a correction. Um, it's come time for the elite again to having harvested all the savings and hopes and dreams of people and putting them in the stock market to pull the rug out from underneath our feet, have everything go on sale so that they who have already put themselves in a cash position, I mean, they print the cash, so they're always in cash position, can go and buy up all those stocks again and restart that cycle where they start to lure you back into the stock market. And over the course of about 10 years, it gets up and gets to be a bubble. Um, and so this is one way that they're harvesting the wealth and that's going to happen. Now, crypto is given a really interesting thing, right? Because we had Bitcoin up to 60,000 and now it's back down to about 35. So um, I think mm -hmm. the downward pressure on crypto is going to continue only for the reason of keeping the prices low, because now family offices, do you know what a family office is? Really, really rich people have special accounting vehicles. They have entire teams of people. They call it a family office. That um, the, the whole uh, the whole thing is to manage the wealth of a family. So look it up, family offices, and you'll be like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. They have entire teams of people creating trusts for them and ways to avoid, you know, taxation and and longevity of wealth. Um, and so these family offices are now able to start investing in crypto. And so we've got to keep prices suppressed on the crypto side, which is why you have all the scare about regulation and taxes and everything surrounding crypto, because the elite need more chance to go in and harvest that crypto. Then, then it will be released again to where the average person will be like, oh, gosh, I got to get into that crypto thing. And they'll start to drive prices up. So that's where I think things are heading on the crypto. Um, let's go to like absolutely what's going to happen. Everything that you see in Revelations I don't know how much of that is literal and how much of it is figurative, but I think it's really clear if you look up Google patent number, so you go to Google and look up patent number 2020-060606. It's a, it's a patent for a digital dollar that is basically activated through biometrics. In other words, you put a chip into a person and it stores the digital dollar and it knows whether you're alive or not. So it knows biometrically whether or not you should be getting those digital dollars. So we're going to see... Um, we're going to see the, I don't want to, I don't know whatever I'm like trying to look for. We're going to see cash go away as much as possible. Cash will be vilified. There'll be some reason, um, you know, to finally get rid of cash. And then you'll have a digital dollar instituted that can be turned on and off at will. So when you don't, you know, your vaccine passport turns into a social credit score, just like China. So then the, the idea is total 100% complete awareness and surveillance of every piece of livestock. Just like if I have a whole bunch of cows and I could put a chip into their ear, um, 
And if it's a good cow and with good behavior, then I would let it go out to the trough and eat. And if it's a bad cow, then I'm going to turn on the responder chips, transponder chips of all the cows around them and get them to attack that cow. And then 5G is another whole layer of this, which we haven't even gotten into. Um, but yeah, those are all my predictions. So let's not talk about predictions. Let's talk about what you can do. Withdraw. What did God say? He said, come out of Babylon. Come out of her, my people. So you need to be with your community, with your friends and family, creating alternative ways to get food, alternative ways to do everything. Um, so the decentralized finance of crypto has taught us that we already knew that centralization of power, whether it's a federal government or a one world government, is the enemy. That's bad. Decentralization, power to the people, power to the individual. So if every single person within the sound of our voice and you know tells 10 people who tell 10 people, hey, just grow your own food. If everybody just planted 100 square feet of, of food in their backyard or pots on their patio, like I used to grow when I lived in an apartment, if you just did that one small revolutionary act of just growing some of your own food, that alone would have an amazing impact. Be willing to be willing to leave those things that seem so convenient to you. Be willing to, you know, turn off the internet, be willing to turn off the TV. But most of all, withdraw, withdraw your consent. I mean, here I'm going to tell you as an elected official, and I'm the vice chair of the Libertarian Party for the state of Indiana. I'm actively, you know, trying to get libertarians elected. But I'm going to tell you that even participating in the voting system is acknowledgement of the theater and the fraud. You're participating no, in the I system know. just and by showing up to. and voting. Um, and so do I think that it would make a difference? Well, we already know that the largest portion of voters are the non-voters, the people that don't show up way outnumber the people that do. So obviously there are people that have figured out that it's a scam. So get yourself some seeds. My favorite places are littleshopofseeds.com, seedtreasures.org, rare seeds, strictly medicinal, um, seeds.com. Um, there's another one that was, um, Seeds of Generations, I think, is, is the one that I just found today that's a lovely homeschooling family. Go get yourself some seeds and just start planting them. Start planting them. And if you have mm. some really good seeds, the kind that are illegal, make seed bombs and throw them everywhere, especially onto the lawns and into the land that are owned by public officials. Where do you get things like that? I don't know. I don't smoke or drink, and I'm like the only libertarian I know that doesn't smoke weed. Except for my husband. Oh, you're talking. Oh, you're talking about weed. weed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what yeah. you were talking about. I thought it was like, like highly. Uh, I don't even know what the what the terminology would be. No, but, but wouldn't it be cool something if that in you every state? If in every state where marijuana is illegal, people made seed bombs, which is basically like you know a little bit of peat moss and fertilizer, some seeds, you know, put in some clay and just throw it um, onto their yard and into their flower gardens and have marijuana popping up all over. You know, in the public official elected officials' yards who are actively keeping it from being um, legal in whatever states that that's true in my state, but you know, so many more states yeah, are it, going the right way. To to go off of what you were just saying there, especially in regards to one believing that community is important and also that uh, garden is important. Um, I think that you should. I think that people should really start talking to each other and and bringing it up with church boards and having gardens, yeah. community gardens at churches. I think that would be a really good idea. I mean, churches most, tend to have at least a couple are agents acres. Of the, yeah, most pastors are agents of the state. There are very, very few pastors like the one that um, my husband and I went to 30 years ago, Dr. Greg Dixon of the Indianapolis Baptist Temple. He took his 501c3 status and sent it back to the IRS. 
And years later, they rewarded mm. him by by the federal marshals carrying him out of his own church on a stretcher. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. We were there. When I remember that you telling me that. Indianapolis. Yeah. So, you know, and how oh. many pastors shut down their churches? Now, there are a lot of pastors now that are standing up and saying, you fooled me. Okay. You fooled me. I thought it was real. Now we understand what the gig is and what's not going to happen again. But then we got the prosperity preachers that, um, you know, that find $600,000 in the wall behind the toilet. No, I and, know. You know it drives us nuts. Our pastor did not shut down the church. As a matter of fact, we Good. tried <clears throat> everywhere, every which way to be creative. We went to a drive-in movie theater and people sat in their cars and listened and honked their horns instead of going amen, you know? So it was, it was a lot of fun for a little while. And then you're like, let's get back to the church, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because but singing we didn't spreads stop. COVID. Yeah, singing spreads yeah, COVID. Exactly. You can't praise God. And how, I mean, how does Satan feel about that? You know, that he fooled God's people into not singing praises to God? I mean, what <laughs> yeah. a coat. Oh, no, we sang. Yeah, such a we had the, We had the windows open and we were going to town with the singing and everything. But um, we're just trying to do what we could to the extent we could. I mean, we made the news. We made national news doing that, I believe. And, you know, they couldn't get us for anything. I just, the last interview I did was with a guy who was had his uh, brewery open for 28 days before the government told him to shut down. And the PPP loans were only available to people that were open for 30 days. And he's like, I'm going to lose my business. I'm gonna, all my employees are going to lose their jobs. I'm staying open. He's, he said, screw you to Governor Wolf, along with about 20 some other businesses. The, yep. the state government uh, fined them a, a bunch of times, all of them. Yep. None of them paid those fines. And then uh, after the majority of the pandemic kind of died down and everything, the state well, I, apparently the state's judges refused to uphold the fines, so the state couldn't go yeah. through with it, which was awesome. Um, how about so, so my predictions? Tyranny, even when you know the when you don't know the outcome, you still have to stand up. Yeah, yeah. Well, so your predictions. Go ahead. It's the old picture. Yeah, it's the old picture of the uh, the the Germans, right, giving the salute, but that one guy standing yeah. there going like this, and yeah, no, nope, not going to be me. You know, be an example. Yeah. I'd rather be an example and get my head chopped off than than go along with what's going on. I'll be honest with you. And I'm going to go out well, fighting. The Canadians, I do have the guns Canadians too. <laughs> have ordered The Canadians have ordered over a million guillotines, so you'll get your wish. Well, oh well, just like just like it said, you know, for the blood of the lamb, man, our blood's going to cry out, yep. and that's okay. I came here for this fight. So I got about maybe five minutes. So let me give you some quick predictions. I do believe that Hillary's going to try running again and yeah, it's going to announce something or some sort of hopes. <laughs> to be honest with you, though, I think that the Democrats only have one choice in winning if Trump does run again, and that's Michelle Obama. And I, I, I expect her to come out and, and kind of yep. do something. I really do. Yep, that's you know, the Trump I, I, yeah. I hate that family. I really do because I think I think she was she'll really win. people. Oh, she'll win easily, and that's the that's the scary thing is people talk about how how much of a great of a first lady she was. She was a bitch. I'm sorry. She was really Can we nasty. Finally get the physician <laughs> she was to really turn nasty. her head and cough. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh -huh. I do. I do believe that she's going to run and. I think that's the only chance that the Democrats have. They're not going to put Biden in there again. I think at, at first I thought, yeah, they probably will just because they want to drag it out and use him as a puppet as long as they can, because the guy is obviously suffering deep dementia problems and everything. Sad. Very sad. At this point, his his approval numbers are going to be the worst in American history. 
and Kamala is being hidden in a closet. Like this is like the most unseen vice president in recent history since the, the invention of television. You know, this woman just does not come out because she has an even lower approval rating, I think, overall. You know, this is crazy. Um, those are the kind of my givens, I think, that are going to happen. I believe yeah. that we're going to see over the next couple years uh, land grabs by the government and Black land rock. expansions. Yep. Yeah. I think that what we're going private property, private property ownership. It's going to go away. Exactly. As, as yeah. Especially, especially in States like Texas and stuff like that, where, you know, when the time comes, if there is any type of secession effort that they can say, well, you can do that as a state, but guess what? We're taking this chunk of the state away from you because we own that and whatever yep. it is, you know? Yep. So I think that land grabs, I think cryptocurrency, uh, being brought under control and the Fed having their own cryptocurrency is going to be a big goal to, to kind of squelch that cryptocurrency market, which was obviously a slap in the face with uh, to the government and having control over the dollar because that's what it was all about. It was about not being under the thumb that you were under yeah. for having the dollar. Um, and I think that the once the Olympics are done, we're going to see a lot more with Taiwan and uh, and the Ukraine just falling apart. Yeah. And and I yeah, think after listening to you, I think after listening to you, I think we're going to see a lot more posturing of the powers that be that are against us in this being Russia and China setting up specific military operations within the countries of like Latin America and, and Canada and being outright about yep. it like they were exactly. during the like the. Uh, um, like they were during the Cuban Missile Crisis with JFK. You know, hey, yep. we, we have positioning yep. here. But, you know, bow you're down. Right. <laughs> so yep. you're absolutely right. Everything that's kind of where said. I'm going. I'll be waiting for it. I'll be waiting to see it on the news. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, listen, Lucy, I appreciate you joining us again. And as always, Ditto. it was a pleasure. And, you know, we we fell off of that every three month thing, but I do want to have you back on. Hopefully people do leave voice messages on there and, and kind of, you know, tell us we're crazy or tell us uh, we can't believe I'm after listening to, to the past podcasts, <laughs> you know, so um, we'll definitely we'll see how this uh, pans out. I will have you back on anyway, but I'm interested to see any kind of audience feedback now that we're on uh, Anchor FM. Any uh, w as always, w where can people find you before you go? Um, thanks for asking. LucyForLiberty.com um, is the best place to find me. Um, just come on out, visit my site, see all the, the, the citations. And I'd love it if you try to refute them because that's where you open up the dialogue. But let's end with this. Come out of Babylon. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate everyone joining us tonight for the Whiskey Tangle Life podcast. Thank you again for joining us. As always, thank you to Lucy for joining us. Uh, it's always a great time. Keep coming back. Keep on checking out Rumble. Check out uh, the Anchor FM and all the, the podcast area platforms that you can listen to it. Share this podcast. Share all the other podcasts. This is great information. This is all stuff that should be awakening people, stuff that people that bury their heads in the sands in regards to the vaccines don't want to listen to, but it's it's the hold their eyes open type thing. Like, look at what you're doing to our society. This is what these people should be listening to. And like Lucy said, refute us. 
go go and and look at the stuff and bring it to our attention on how we're wrong because at the end of the day we're not throwing out conspiracy theories here even though lucy loves to talk about what conspiracy theories are at that right now but at the end of the day we just appreciate the dissemination of this kind of information too since there's so much censorship out there thank you for joining us have a great night and god bless america <laughs>